Welcome on Air Eagles fans to episode 69 of the No Huddle Shore Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined in a second here by Elliot Shore Parks, and I uh, hope you remember our voices. We haven't done one of these in a while. It's our first podcast episode since late May. The Eagles took the summer off for the most part. We kind of took the summer off, but it's time now. Training camp is on the horizon. We're going to do a full training camp preview look ahead to what should be a fascinating camp here with the Eagles as expectations are ramped up for year two of Carson Wentz, year two of Doug Peterson. Elliot, let's see if we can remember how to do a podcast here. How you doing? Doing good, man. And I'm I'm pumped, obviously, to get back. I mean, I'm sad we're missing Matt. We should say that Matt is uh, Matt's not here. He'll be back uh, next week. But he forgot how to do a podcast. He yeah, to he, go he forgot. He's taking training on it. But uh, no, I mean, I'm just excited because this is no lie, my favorite time of the year. Like of all the you know calendar dates in the NFL. Uh, the playoffs, not that, you know, the Eagles worry about that. The playoffs, free agency, the draft, the regular season, all that. I like training camp the best. So I'm I'm pumped for uh, for the players to report. It's funny you mentioned playoffs. Let's start with expectations. You know, just let's jump yeah. right into it. We'll, and we'll do a lot in this episode. We'll go through the positions and the players and the new guys. And, and we'll look at some players to watch and, and position battles. All those kind of things are coming up. But this past week, so we're doing this podcast on a Thursday. Training camp uh, is right around the corner. and Doug Peterson and Elliot, you could take us through the timeline on this. I'm going to, I guess I'll go off of what I think, how this works, but you and, and some of the other Eagles beat reporters got a chance to speak to Doug right around the end of minicamp. And then yeah, some so, stories, go ahead. So basically, Tell us how well, I was going to say, so basically the last day of, or the day after the last practice where everyone goes away and we, and this is every year, like they did it with Chip, they, you know, they did it with Doug. Um, Doug speaks to reporters for an hour but the content is basically embargoed, so you can't use it until right before training camp. And the purpose of it is just, you know, to give us some some stuff to write to lead up to training camp. So it's very useful, and it's it's nice for the Eagles to do it. Um, so I'm guessing where you were going with this was, uh, and I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but during that session, Doug said something, and I'm paraphrasing, something like he the, the Eagles' current roster has more talent than the the Packers' roster that won a Super Bowl. And just from talking to you, Joe, I know you had a, uh, a particularly big problem with that. Yeah, well, I think it put ex- – it raised expectations for this Eagles season, which is fun. I'm, I'm fine with that part of it. But I think Doug put, a, Doug put a bullseye on his own back here because of what he had to say. I mean, he said – I'll read the quote here. And it's a long quote, and I know you want to explain maybe the more of the context of it. Here's the short version of it. Here's what you've probably read or heard over the last couple of days. This is the beginning of the quote. I look back on my time in Green Bay as a player when we were making those playoff runs. And Doug, of course, is talking about the mid to late 90s Packers go to -to back-to-back Super Bowls and they won one. And the rest of the quote is those Super Bowl runs there. And do we have as much talent on this team than we did then? We probably have more talent, right? Comparing this Eagles group to a team that went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, went 13-3 and in back-to-back years. He did go on to say talent doesn't necessarily mean wins, and he referenced the Dream Team Eagles in 2011, and on and on, and he kind of couched it. But he did say he sees talent here that is comparable to a team that went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, which I hope he's right, Elliot. And if he's not, it does put a bullseye on his back because you and I both know if they have a tough year, this quote will be brought back to Doug and say, hey, Doug, you thought you had Super Bowl talent or at least really good talent. Why did you guys lose? Well, and that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, so if I and we've discussed this, you know, back when we used to record podcasts months ago. But but uh, I mean, is this a win now team? Like if I said to you instant reaction, one answer, are the Eagles a playoff team? Yes or no. What would you say? No. 
No. Okay. Well, I would I would probably agree with that. But I guess my my point I was trying to make was like, if they don't if they don't make the playoffs, is it a disappointing year? Like even just outside of Doug saying the Packers thing, I think you know you can debate you know and say that analogy is stupid or whatever and comparing the two. But his overall point more is this is not a team rebuilding. This is a team where you know they spent big money on receiver. Um, they've invested a lot of money in the defensive line. They signed Legarrette Blunt, and you know, not a lot of teams that are rebuilding give uh, what is he, 30, 31 year old running back with a ton of mileage last year uh, contract. So they've made a lot of moves. Where at the end of this year, if they're not in the playoffs, you could say realistically this was a disappointing year. Now I'm not sure if I believe that, and I think it depends on on how they make the playoffs. But saying things like we have more talent than a team that won the Super Bowl, whether it's taken out of context or not, it just it just sets expectations even higher than they already were. And frankly, I think expectations were a little high already. So um, it, that's the interesting, thing, the interesting thing about Doug. Like when you look at the job he did last year, I think there's an argument to be made he was better than expected. Um, you know, there was clearly a few calls I, I disagreed with and, you know, mistakes he made but given the low expectation I think the fact he got seven wins out of that team was an overall good job the problem with Doug is he he's almost too honest like he gets up and he talks and he he has no filter which is great for me but I just think for him it, it is one of those things like it sounds silly to say something he has to work on as a coach is how he handles the media because he's not rude to the media but I, I think it's just something he has to work on I agree. He doesn't realize everything he says matters so much in this with this fan base and it will be remembered the entire year. Andy Reid used to have it down to a science. He never said a word and he mm-hmm. lasted a long time. And, and we also won, which is a big part of it. But right. he figured it out. Doug hasn't figured that out yet. So you mentioned the expectations. Doug's obviously ratcheted them up. I looked at last year's team, Elliot. This was even before the Sam Bradford trade, which moved Carson into the starting lineup. And I thought they were about a six or seven win team just roster wise last year. It was a weird way they got there going three and out to start, but that's yeah. where they ended up. I look at this team now and I, I see about a nine win roster. What do you see when you look at this 53 man, which is really a 90 man roster? And I know you've been writing about it on NJ.com. Right. When you look at the full roster heading into camp, what kind of talent level do you see? So I think if I didn't take the schedule into account and I just said, just looking at the roster, I think they're a seven or eight win team. I don't think this is a team that should finish above 500 just based off the roster. Um, I think they have issues at cornerback, the same issues they had last year. Um, I like the offensive line, but again, like, what are you going to get from Jason Peters? I think he's a wild card. Um, The receivers, like I like Alshon Jeffrey, enough but I mean he hasn't had more than 55 catches in three years Torrey Smith was terrible last year I mean do you know Torrey Smith dropped 50 percent of the catchable passes thrown his way like he'll fit right in he'll fit right in yeah exactly so so I'm saying like all these additions Eagles have made they're they're good additions because they're upgrade from last year but I'm not so sure this team like you should pencil them in for for more than eight wins. That being said, I do think the schedule breaks in their favor. Like when I go through and I do the game to game, I always come up with around eight or nine wins just because, you know, getting the Raiders at home on Christmas, I think is a big break for them. They get, you know, I think it's, it's either it's before their bye week, I think. And then they go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. So there's a lot of ways where this schedule breaks their way, but just off of the roster alone, 
I think they're about, yeah, like what they were last year, a seven or eight win team. So when you say that, that lends me to believe that they're looking forward and the next couple of years will be better because if they're seven or eight, that's not much of an improvement from last year. I think their, their window to win and to become a winner is, is interesting looking forward to this camp because when you look at their offseason, and you mentioned what they did, they signed a lot of veterans. They signed a lot of one-year guys to deals that would make you believe and make you think they're trying to win this year, mm-hmm. yet they don't have everything in place to do it yet. And then I look at their roster, Elliot, and I don't, I don't know if I could pick out six, seven, ten building block players that I'm sure of right now. You have, you have Carson, you have Lane Johnson. Uh, I'm not going to put the rookies in there yet like Barnett and Jones. I don't look at this team and say they're set up for the next three years, but they're also not a win today team. What are they? When's their window to win? They're a Carson Wentz team. I mean, that's it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, to me, that's all it really comes down to. Like if Carson Wentz continues to improve, um, then their window will be open. I mean, how many teams in the league would you say have a really good quarterback, but are not at least like serious playoff contenders. I'm not saying Super Bowl contenders, but I mean, if you look around the league, uh, like off the top of my head, I can't think of any where you say that quarterback is really good, but that team is never going to win. So I think if Wentz turns into a really good quarterback, their window can be open for a long time because he's only he's only entering his second year. I agree with you. The roster around him is is weird. I mean, none of his receivers. Yeah, none of them besides the rookies, you can say, are definitely going to be with Wentz in 2018. And so for all this talk of wanting to build around him, the, the roster isn't exactly set up for the future. It's set up to win right now. The only thing is the biggest piece of the roster is, is a building block for the future. So that's why I think it's a little more uh, difficult to you know, like figure out which way they're going. It is, and it also puts more pressure on him to become great, I think, because you look at the other quarterbacks for the NFL, and I agree. If you have an Aaron Rodgers, if you have a great quarterback – if you have uh, Ben Roethlisberger, these guys that are going to go to the Hall of Fame, you're in contention every year. But I look at a guy like Joe Flacco, who there's been some comparisons to, and there's probably three or four others that fit this bill. Eli Manning, I think, fits in this bill where they're good. They can win you a championship, but you got to put players around them. They're not going to drag you there by themselves. I'm not sure where Carson is yet. And we could throw this in the mix because you wrote about it recently. Andrew Luck. Yeah, let's do it. He's a guy that's <laughs> he's a great young quarterback, a very promising young player. But he hasn't yet shown he's in that Rodgers category that he could drag a team all by himself. That roster has fallen apart the last couple of years, and I think he's dragged them to 8-8, eight and eight, but he can't drag them to 11-5. I'm not sure yet where Carson's going to end up, and if he's not truly special, well, they don't have enough around him to make me excited yet. Well, the thing about now that you, you, know, you mentioned Andrew Luck, like I wrote about it last week. Um, a lot of people disagreed, which is fine. But basically, Pro Football Focus did a, a draft, and I really like Pro Football Focus, so this isn't a rip on them. But but this, they, this draft was a joke. <laughs> it was yeah, bad. I mean, the foundation draft, I disagreed. They had they had 32 players, and you could even take college players, and they had Wentz not going in the first round if a team was doing a draft to kind of build for their future. And to me, that's just ridiculous because he's a quarterback, so I'm never taking any non-quarterback over a quarter, basically – especially Wentz. I mean, you know, obviously like Brian Hoyer, I might take a non-quarterback, but if, if you're looking for the future, I mean, there's probably only three or four quarterbacks in the league I would take over Wentz to build my team with. And that's kind of where this started. So not to get this into a Colts podcast, but I mean, my thing with Wentz versus Andrew Luck was Luck started his career out great. I mean, 33 wins in his first three years is an amazing accomplishment. And Wentz would have to win, I mean, yeah, like 25 games, 26 games the next two years 
to, to match that. But the thing is, his last years have not been that good. And, well, I shouldn't say that. Statistically, he was good last year. But they're 10 and 12 in his last 22 games. He has 25 interceptions in his last 22 games. So, I mean, and he has he has that huge, the, the uh, shoulder surgery he just had. He's still not throwing. So, to me, I like Luck a lot. But I think you can make a strong argument the arrow is pointing down on him. As opposed to Wentz, maybe the arrow is not pointing up. I personally think it is, but you know he's he he doesn't have the shoulder injury. So, I, and I think he actually has a lot of the same tools that Luck has. So I would take Wentz over Luck. Um, Joe, I don't know if you if you uh, agree with that or not. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I would take Luck, but Wentz easily should have been on that list. I, I was looking at that list, and that was the kind of thing that was they were doing it through the day. I think they were doing eight picks at a time, and I I think I saw the first sixteen, and he didn't go. And that, that made me monitor this list that we're talking about even more because I was like, all right, when is he going to go? And it was just dumb with college defensive tackles I mean, they had and Brandon college quarterbacks. Like, I like Brandon I know. I, <laughs> when I saw there was an eagle on it and it wasn't Wentz, it was crazy. But, yeah, Wentz should have been on there. And he is, regardless if he's over luck or behind luck, he's one of the top six or seven young quarterbacks. And a lot of them have come to the league the last few years. You would build a franchise, right? He's in well, that I, mix. I think it kind of like creates an interesting question, which is kind of what, what we started with. Like what should be expected of Wentz this year? I mean, like when I've, I've done different like radio and TV spots and they asked me that. And like, I feel like everyone's of the assumption he'll just take a step forward. Like mm-hmm. when you look at this team, you say like, all right, cornerbacks an issue. Um, you know, may, maybe running back receivers are question marks, all those things. No one ever says, well, maybe quarterback will be an issue. And I don't think it will be. But at the end of the day, Wentz has to play better than he did last year. And I'm not going to make too much of OTAs and minicamps because, you know, the pads aren't on and all those things. But to me, you know, last month when I saw him practice, he did not look like an improved player. So, you know, maybe that's because he's playing with new receivers and all that. But he was making, in my opinion, the same mistakes he did last year. And he still had those flashes where he would do things and you would say, okay, this guy has that talent. But like, what if Wentz isn't better this year? I mean, what if the defense is good, but 10 games into the season, Wentz has 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions? I mean, it's just really interesting to think about because no one ever debates it. But I mean, do you like what would they do if Wentz is not good this year? They're, they're in, it's like a massive problem if that were to happen. It is. And I, I think he'll improve. I, I mean, I'm with the conventional wisdom, he'll improve. And a lot of young quarterbacks, the good ones at least, Improve that. That's a, people always say that that year one to year two jump for the good ones. That's what happens. You go to Rivers and Eli and I'm trying to think of the recent ones. All Mariota, Winston, all these guys got better year one to year two. If we think Wentz is in there, that probably happens. If it doesn't, I guess the easy thing is they're screwed. I mean, they're not going to get rid of him after this year, so they're going to have to hope uh, it's a blip. But it would change everything because. He's like you said at the start uh, about their window. He's their window where yeah. he goes. They're going to go. And that's why I look at this season, this camp. It's critical because the future of the Eagles is going to be based on this year. It's funny. As we looked forward to camp here, Elliot, he didn't really have one last year. I know he had training camp, but he right. certainly didn't have a preseason. So that should help him just having a summer to play with these new guys. Yeah, no, I, I think he will be improved. But I just think it's interesting that no one ever brings up the idea that that what if he isn't? I mean, look, clearly I'm high on him. I said I would take Andrew Luck over him. I mean, I would take Luck. I would take Wentz over Luck. So clearly I'm optimistic uh, about Wentz just based on what I've seen. And I I wasn't always. I mean, you know, 
last year before the draft, I liked the idea to trade up to get him. But, you know, for when the draft process first started, I wasn't too high on him. So, like, based on what I saw last year, I think they should be optimistic. It's just interesting to think about, you know, what what could happen. And, that, you know, to move on from, from this, and that kind of, kind of leads into it, does Wentz – I mean, how much have they improved around him? Like, if you look at the receivers, um, I think Alshon's going to be good. But I, I'm not 100% sure Wentz has this – the, as many weapons as people think he does, where he has no excuse if he's not good. I think if you're just looking at it compared to what they had last year, he has a lot more. But if you look at it compared to the rest of the league, it's not a special wide receiving core. I think that might be where the line of, of demarcation is. Are they a good receiving core compared to everybody else in the NFL? Not really, unless Alshon goes back to being a star. I guess it's compared to last year. What were some of those games? The, the game they had in December, you know, when Matthews was hurt and Al Golurv didn't play the that Cincinnati night. Cincinnati game. Yeah, well, the like Cincinnati game, Matt, right? And then the Packers game was when. Yeah, uh, who was it? Bryce Treggs and Paul yeah. Turner. So I mean, these guys that, aren't even going to sniff the roster this year. So that's a big difference. Right. I agree with that. I yeah, and that. look, it puts a guy like Matthews back in the slot, which I think he'll be better, and, and two other guys outside. But yeah, there's going to be expectations off of that, and. The other thing is we start to look at, at this. Let's go position by position a little yeah. bit leading into camp. The one part that I think we'd agree on with this offseason, and everyone seems to agree on this, they're really deep up front on the offensive line. And that's the one thing last year. You go to, I think, the game in Baltimore. Say Amalo played right tackle. I mean, they had guys playing so many different positions because they were so decimated by co- you know combined suspension with Lane Johnson and all those injuries. This year they look like an offensive line that is going to be able to withstand if Peters struggles or if Kelsey goes – like, they have mm-hmm. options now. Last year yeah, – at some point last year, they didn't have any options left. I think, they're, I think they're very deep on the interior of the offensive line. But at tackle, they're, like, razor thin. Like, I guess Vitae at this point, I think you could say, is a, ver- is a solid backup. Like a, yeah, it's I think, not especially very all the solid. experience he had last year. Right, and I think he played well towards the end of the year. But – and, you know, I'm not saying every team has to have two or three, like, good options, but the Eagles really only have three tackles because outside of Vitae on the bench, they don't have any options. I mean, say Amalu maybe, but ideally, if you're the Eagles, you want him starting for you at left guard. So moving him out to tackle would would not be ideal. But, I mean, so tackle, I think they're very thin, especially when you talk about Jason Peters, where, you know, last year was essentially a contract year for him. Because he, they were, you know, he could have been cut very easily this offseason. but now he's basically a lock to come back in 2018. So I'll just be very interested to see what type of year they get out of Jason Peters. So I agree with you. The offensive line is one of the better units on the team if they're all healthy and playing to their capabilities. They're one of the best offensive lines in the league, I think. But I, I disagree with you on saying that they're super deep because at tackle, which is the most important position at the offensive line, I think there are question marks. There, there are serious question marks. Are there any competitions here, or is uh, Isaac Sayamalo going to be the left guard? I mean, it's pretty clear Peters is the left tackle right now. Kelsey's still the center, and that hasn't changed, even though maybe we thought it would. Brandon Brooks is the right guard. You have right tackle Lane Johnson. Is Sayamalo, in your eyes, when camp opens, the left guard? No questions, or is there some competition here, you think? There's there's definitely competition. I, I think the Eagles want Sayamalo to win the job. I think they'll give him every opportunity to. But when OTAs and minicamp started— um, you know, earlier this summer, Alan Barber was hurt, which obviously played into it. But Sam Malu was getting all the reps with the first team. Then towards the end, you know, the, the mandatory mini camp, Alan Barber and him were splitting it. And I know they, they allowed Barber to uh, 
request, you know, to seek a trade this past offseason, which shows that they're not super invested in him. But Barber did play well last year. And, you know, bringing him back would give you the same five starting offensive linemen. So there is some reason to think Barber makes sense. The only thing is, say, Amalu was their third round pick last year. And you really don't want your third round pick sitting on the bench for the second year in a row. So if Kelsey's back, you know, Bar- uh, Sam Mullo can really only play left guard. You have Brandon Brooks at right guard. He he plays well, and he's just financially locked into that spot. So it'll. I mean, so say Amalu, I think they want him to win the job. I don't think it's a guarantee, and I don't think he played particularly well during the OTA. So it'll. That's definitely the biggest battle on the team, offense or defense, in terms of a starting job. I think I would give it to Barber, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of like force Sam Amalu in there. Let's look at the skill position. We touched on Wentz. We touched on the offensive line. Let's add these skill positions together. The one thing that I see, there's nothing special here that, you know, because Alshon has fallen back the last couple of years. He looked like he was going to be a special wide receiver. Yeah, now he had, one, he had one good year as a yep. number one guy in so five we, years. Yep. Yep. Right. We need to see if he could do that again. He's obviously an upgrade, no doubt, but we need to see if he could do it again. The one thing I noticed when you add in the two kids they took in Shelton Gibson and Matt Collins, Torrey Smith, uh, Alshon going out and signing a running back in LeGarrette Blunt to see, you know, we'll see how much he plays and what his role is, but he's obviously an accomplished running back who led the league in touchdowns last year and Donnell Pumphrey in the draft. The one thing I see is they're deeper there. There's just more options for Doug Peterson. And I'm interested to see how creative of a play caller he is because you could come up with like eight different packages of players to put in. He's, he has options now to put the best package on the field to execute the play he wants. Yeah. And I think that uh, Pumphrey is going to play a lot more than people think he was all over the field um, during the, the uh, mini camps. And, you know, obviously for guys that aren't first or second on the depth chart, a way to get active on game day is to play special teams. And they had Pumphrey returning punts and kick. So I think they, would like him to have a role on special teams. And the one way to do this is get him to return kicks. And on offense, I think he, he is a guy that they lined up at receiver, both outside and in the slot, and they put him at running back. So they moved him around a, a ton. Um, as far as the receivers, so they kept five last year for the majority of the year. So if you're assuming Alshon's a lock, Jordan Matthews, I don't want to say he's 100% a lock because I wouldn't completely rule out a trade, but I think like 95% chance he's here, and he definitely won't get cut. So Alshon, Jordan Matthews, Aguilar, I think is a lock as well. Um, you know, again, maybe 1% or 2% chance they trade him, but I think those three guys are locks, and then Matt Collins are the four absolute locks. Torrey Smith, I think, will be here, but the fact that he makes $4.5 million and he can be released with zero cap hit to me – you know, if he doesn't have a good training camp and based off of his play the last two years, you know, let's say another guy really steps up and plays well, it wouldn't completely stun me if they cut him. So, but those are probably your five receivers. Now, the interesting part is, do they keep a six? Uh, Sheldon Gibson's a guy I was very high, very high on coming out of the draft. I thought he might even have a chance to start just because he fits so perfectly what they needed, which was a down the field threat. And because he's young, I think he makes more sense to keep than, than uh, Torrey Smith. But he had a really bad showing at OTAs and minicams, dropped the ball a ton. He was constantly getting yelled at by Mike Rowe. So now at this point, I don't even know if he's a lock to make the team because as a fifth-round guy, unless he really kills it in training camp, he's probably going to get through waivers and he can probably get put on your practice squad. So I think they'll keep five receivers definitely. The sixth guy might be Gibson, uh, Marcus Johnson, a guy they had on the practice squad last year. I think he has an outside shot. But, yeah, so I think that's kind of how the numbers break down heading into training camp at receiver. When you look at 
Nelson Aguilar, and I know you've written about this, Elliot, and, and this is it's Nelson Aguilar has been a source of debate from the minute he started to show that he wasn't ready to play his first year and wasn't going to be an impact guy if he would ever be that. Last year was awful for him. You were very high on what you saw of him from minicamp. I've seen other people that were around the team during that time say similar things. What do you think he could be this year? And are you ruling out the idea he plays a bigger role mm-hmm. than some people think? I just keep looking at it as they've protected themselves if he really can't play. They don't need – last year they needed him, and he's they, he failed for them, and that was part of the problems with their offense. This year they're not counting on him, mm-hmm. but like you said about Torrey, you know, he's not on a big contract. Jordan's on the last year of his deal. If Aguilar wakes up and becomes the first-round pick he was, I'm sure they'll play him. What do you think yeah. he is right now? Well, I think I think Nelson is going to – is going to play more than people think right off the bat. I think he is going to, I mean, I can't get down into like number of snaps, but I think he'll play, you know, 50% of the snaps on offense this year. I do think he is going to be out there way more than people think one, because he can play on the outside and they, he's been practicing a ton in the slot. So they'll, they'll be able to move them all around. You know, you mentioned I was high on a, on him during camp. He was the best receiver I saw on this team during the practices, like better than Alshon. He had four touchdowns. All of them were over like 35, 40 yards. He looks faster out there. He caught a lot. He didn't have his uh, drop issues. Um, I think he said he dropped nine balls for the entire spring. So you figure that's, I don't know, like maybe like a little less than one of practice. So, I mean, I thought he looked, he looked really good. Um, the, The interesting thing though is, he did. He got a lot of his work in the slot because Jordan Matthews was dealing with a knee injury and wasn't practicing. So, you know, Matthews entering the final year of his deal. I think that knee is bothering him a lot more than he lets on. Um, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So I think Aguilar will be able to move it all over. But yeah, if he if he can be good for them this year, and you know w- what is good, forty catches and four touchdowns. I mean, that probably be a, a good year for him. And I think he has the ability to do it. But the problem is the Eagles' biggest issue with Aguilar is he looks good in practice, and then he it's mental. And on game day, he just kind of like clams up, like he 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 chokes on game day. I mean, honestly, the best way to put it. So if he can get over that mental hurdle. He has the skills to be a good NFL receiver. So I think for him, success early on is going to be really key. And it does feel like it's all mental because I, I even go back, to last, it, I go back to last year in Seattle. And I think that was that was the game, right, where he kind of poured his heart he, out after the game to you guys. Yeah, he dropped a pass over the middle of the field right after he had that huge penalty yep. took away a touchdown. So that was kind of like, like the breaking point for him. It was after the game was. But I go back to the play he dropped the pass on. And this this is the why I, I've. Maybe it's just this one play, but I, I keep holding out hope for Aguilar because the one thing you notice is he's wide open. He can get open against yep. NFL corners. It's just everything else. Yeah, and it sounds silly. Like, the, the only thing he has to do is catch the ball. But that really is it. I mean, you know, look, they cut Doriel Greenbeckham, who I didn't think had a chance of making the team. But the reason they cut him was because he's not the worker Aguilar is. Aguilar puts in a ton of work, and fans might not want to hear that because, you know, who cares? You know, what he does on Sunday is what matters. But he's a guy that the team was willing to give, you know, second and third chances to because he works hard. So it really is just a matter of him catching the ball. So I think he's a big X factor on the offense. If you told me his numbers at the end of the year, I think I give you a really good indication as to what their record is. Because if you if you told me he had seven touchdowns, you know, six touchdowns, I think this offense is going to be very good. I'd agree with that. If he puts up that kind of season, uh, they will be. Let's touch touch on one more name and then we'll move to defense. Zach Ertz is a guy that I find the, the conversation Eagles fans have about Zach Ertz to be 
halfway fascinating and halfway frustrating. He's a good player. He has put up his first four, four, I guess, four years in the league now. Some of the best numbers any tight end ever has in terms of catches. I know the league's more of a yeah. passing league now, so it's probably not fair to compare to 25, 30 years ago. But even of the guys now, he, he puts up good numbers, yet people always get on him for when he makes his catches, how he does. I think he's a good player that probably gets too much of the brunt of anger around here. What do you think, Ertz? I mean, he's a, he's a top five tight end, in my opinion. Just when you no, That's really all you have to say, then. He's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he's a top five tight end. I mean, the main issue with Ertz, first of all, I think the criticism where he only plays well once the season's – like, once the season's – they're not going to be making the playoffs. I think that's a stupid – that's a stupid criticism because he doesn't control his targets. You know, I mean, he gets open. And the, another main issue is the touchdowns. He doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. Um, you know, is that completely his fault? No. Uh, obviously – after I think he's played three or four years now, you know, maybe that's going to be a bit of a trend. Maybe he's not just, he's just not great in the red zone. I don't know, but he, he like people always say, when's his breakout year going to come? When's his breakout year going to come? If you get the same thing you've gotten from Ertz the past four years for the next five, he's a very good, you know, borderline great player. That's really helping you. So this whole idea that he needs to have a breakout year to me, I, I don't really agree with. I think he'll have a good year this year because he's going to have the same quarterback starting for him for the first time in his career, two years. So he, you know, he went from, I think he was here. Yeah. He was here with Vic and then he was here with Foles and it was Bradford and then Wentz last year and now Wentz again. So this is the first time he's ever had some continuity at the quarterback position. And just from being in the locker room, he mentions that more than anybody else. He always mentions that, you know, to win in the NFL, you need continuity at the quarterback. You need continuity at the quarterback. So now he has it. So it'll be interesting to see how much that helps him. We will. All right, let's go to the defense. Then we'll do some quick hitters uh, on the some positions, battles, and things you're watching coming up at camp. Defensively, Elliot, it's funny. that They were 12th in the NFL last year in defense. Yet the perception is they weren't good enough and they gave up too many big plays, which they did. Mm-hmm. But they did take a big leap from where they were in chips last year with Billy Davis running the show in the 3-4 to last year. 4-3 with Jim Schwartz. It wasn't perfect. They had some bad moments. But 12th compared to bottom of the league for you know a few years Billy Davis was right. here. It was a big leap. How good could they be this year? How good can they be? Can they be better than last year? I think they can be better than last year because – So top 10-ish. Yeah. I I – you know what's weird? To, like they don't feel like a top ten defense to me, but they finished twelfth last year, and I think they're better. So, I think top ten's a possibility. The thing is, all right. So we'll start. Let's start with the cornerbacks. The cornerbacks, you know, Jalen Mills, Patrick Robinson will probably start, and then Rasul Douglas pushing Robinson for snaps, and then Ron Brooks, depending on his health, is is probably your uh, the guy in the slot. So, you know, that's obviously not a very uh, impressive group of cornerbacks based off other ones in the league, but Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll were really bad last year. And so I can't imagine they'll get worse play from their current corners than they did last year. And their past defense still finished 13th in the league. So I think cornerback is the weak link of the defense. But when we talk about, to go back to the beginning, how many games can they win? They won seven games last year with Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll. So if the Eagles only win seven again or something like that, I think it'll be for other reasons than that than the cornerbacks. Um, the other thing is the safeties. Malcolm Jenkins, I've been, you know, really doing a lot of like digging into what he did last year and watching him and looking up stats and stuff. He was 
he was not as good as people think he was. I mean, it's gotten to the point where you can't move him off safety into corner into play cornerback anymore because he was terrible last year in it. He was um, really bad at it. He was really bad. I, he got targeted 45 times and gave up 38 catches, and I think he gave up six touchdowns as a as a slot corner. So you can't do that with him anymore. And as a safety, um, pro football focus, again, it's subjective. They had him as one of the worst cover safeties in the league. So – It'll be really interesting to see what you get out of him. Rodney McLeod, everyone – and this is a perfect example of fans like sticking to a narrative. Everyone remembers that one play against Cincinnati where he maybe showed questionable effort. But he was their best safety last year. So he's your best player in the secondary. Um, so we'll see what you get out of Jenkins. I think Jalen Mills could, could take a step up this year. But, yeah, the secondary, if their defense takes a step back, you would think it would be because of, because of the overall play of the secondary. If, and if they're going to be good, it's going to be because of the overall play of the front seven, which mm-hmm. uh, pro football focus was down on the secondary recently. They were high on the offensive line. They were high on the front seven of the Eagles, which it makes sense. It's for good reason. They added Derek Barnett to this mix. They added Timmy Jernigan, who I think could be an upgrade over Benny Logan. They're yep. good at linebacker. Hicks is maybe one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. He's really good. This feels like... And I know we had the same conversation to an extent last year, Elliot, about the front seven and getting after the quarterback. It didn't work out consistently, but I really think they've got the makings of a, a dominant front seven if they play to their potential. Yeah. I Well, I'll say this first. I think Jordan Hicks is the best player on the defense, period. So I, I agree. With I agree you. with you. Yeah, I, I think he's the best player on the defense. I think he's one of the best young linebackers. Um, and one of the reasons I say that over over Fletcher Cox is Hicks makes plays. And I didn't think Cox made enough plays last year for what he's getting paid and for what his reputation is. Um, I think the defensive line has the potential to be very good. But I kind of hesitate when I hear people say, you know, they could be the best defensive line in the league. And they could be very good. But, like, if you look at just if you go player by player, Brandon Graham, very good, never over five and a half sacks. Jernigan, I think, is a very uh, is a, is a good upgrade. Cox only had six and a half sacks last year, and I thought had an overall disappointing year. I like Derek Barnett and I like uh, Chris Long, but are they like dominant defensive ends? So I think the defensive end, the defensive line has potential, but I, I don't think we can like pencil them in as the best defensive line in the league. Now, you know, clearly only one team's going to do that. So if they finish as one of the top five, that's a very good year. I'm just not as like you know, as optimistic about it as everyone else is. Yeah. And I think that's fair. How about Vinnie Curry? Uh, it's interesting. A yeah. couple, about a month ago, uh, Vinnie Curry explained and, and admitted that he had a, a knee injury last year that he played through, which I think everyone knew there was something going on at the beginning of the season, but then he didn't really, it wasn't talked about into the year. I guess the assumption was he was fine and just wasn't playing well. I don't know how much it nagged him the whole season, but that might be a reason why he wasn't – I mean, he didn't have any explosion last year. He didn't get to the quarterback. They're deep at defensive end this year without Curry. If Curry can come back, that might be the key to that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, they better hope it wasn't injury-related yeah. because they gave they him – paid him a lot. Yeah, they gave him a huge deal, and he only had three sacks last year, two and a half. I mean, I thought last year the reason he didn't play – and maybe it was because of injury, you know, now that he's saying that. But I just don't think Schwartz is, as hot, is, is extremely high on him. Um, I think, you know, he likes Graham better. Uh, I think Barnett now this year, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I think if you can get production out of Curry at this point, that's just considered a bonus based off what you got last year. Now I will say in OTAs and mini camps, he looked very explosive. I mean, he looked like their best defensive end. He was consistently getting the quarterback, but you know, we got to see him do it in games. I think before you can really 
get excited about him maybe kind of not reviving his career, but kind of coming off the down year last year. All right, let's do some quick hitters to wrap up as we look forward. And really, there's going to be things that you're looking for uh, when you head to camp and, and when this whole thing starts off and, and the Eagles will get going at the Overcare Complex. Give us a couple guys to watch. Maybe we've talked about them so far. Maybe we haven't touched them. We've touched on a lot of names, but not everyone. A couple guys, when you get there and you're at the Overcare Complex, whether it is with the rookies or when the full practice starts, that you're really honing in on. Who are you watching? So the first name that popped in my head was Rasul Douglas, just because when they drafted him in the end of the third round, I wasn't very high on that pick. I thought he had a great OTA in minicamp. He's clearly the best athlete among the cornerbacks. And if you can get him to be a contributing player for you this year at the cornerback position, that's going to be huge for the Eagles. So I'll be very interested to see where they play him or are they putting him on the outside or the inside? How many snaps are they going to give him? Where is he at on the depth chart? Are they comfortable starting him in week one? Because I think he's more talented than Patrick Robinson. So Rasul Douglas is definitely one of them. Um, you know, this isn't a popular name, but Joe Walker, the linebacker last year, he, I mean, the linebacker, I think Jordan Hicks is, is great, but they are paper thin at linebacker. Joe Walker last year uh, suffered a, a torn um, ACL in training camp. Otherwise, he probably would have made the team. That's a good kind of like depth guy if you want to get into that. Um, Aguilar, we already talked about a little bit, see if he can, he can carry that over. Um, so yeah, those are three guys I would say I'm going to be keeping an eye on. How about a guy that you look at right now that could be a long shot to make this roster that is not being talked about? You mentioned Joe Walker. He, he probably would profile. Is there yeah, anyone I else that, that one? <laughs> is there anyone um, else? That were, is it Walker that could be a long shot? I mean, he was, he was doing pretty well a couple summers yeah. ago before it all went awry. Yeah. I, I think he has, I wouldn't even really call him a long shot though, because I think he's the top backup at middle linebacker. Um, if you want to talk about long shots, I'm trying to think of some cornerbacks. I mean, CJ Smith, I know he was on the roster towards the end of last year, but undrafted last year out in um, North Dakota State. Uh, I think he he's a guy that when you talk about the cornerback position going forward, they don't have Sidney Jones is hurt, but they have Rasul Douglas, a guy that you can kind of say they're hoping build into it. I think CJ Smith is one of those guys. Um, Alex McAllister, someone who last year they kept on IR with – pretty much like a bogus injury um, just because they were, they wanted to keep him around defensive end. Uh, he's probably, he's ahead of Marcus Smith at this point on the deep, deep defensive end chart and probably ahead of Steven means as well. So he's an interesting guy. Uh, that's kind of, I guess, a long shot in a way, but I think he could, he has a shot at the 53. Elliot, when you look at the position battles here, what are the ones that, and they, they don't have many because I think they're going to rotate on defense. Like defensive line doesn't really feel like a battle because, you know, it's right. just a matter of who lines up and when they play, they're all going to play. But when there are some position battles here, which ones are the most interesting to you? Well, this isn't for a starter, but I think uh, Corey Clement versus uh, Wendell Smallwood is one because that's a fun one. The backfield yeah, is fun. I mean, Pumphrey's going to make the team. Blunt's going to make the team and Sproul's going to make the team. So there's three right there. I think they'll probably end up carrying four, but Last year, Smallwood, he was he showed flashes, but overall, I would say he had a disappointing rookie year. Um, he wasn't able to stay healthy. He was a fifth-round pick, and maybe most importantly, he was not selected by Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, uh, Howie's right-hand man, has much more of a say in this roster than people think. So if and you know Joe brought Corey Corey in, so. You know, I, I, if I think that's a real battle for the fourth spot, I think Smallwood is on the roster bubble. Um, so it'll be out of, out of those two. I think that at, especially at skill positions, I think that's one of the better uh, training camp battles. All right. Two more to get to here. Uh, and I'm interested to hear your response on both these. 
And I, I had them worded one way the way I wanted to ask you, and then I changed them because I, I think I would have known your answer. So I'm going to take away the obvious answer from you, so you have to give us something different. All right. Most exciting thing on this team outside of Carson Wentz. What are you most excited for when you watch the 2017 Eagles get set for camp? What do you think the most exciting part of this team is, and you can't say Wentz? Can't say Wentz. Um, Hmm. I mean, I guess I would say the defensive ends. And no, you know what? Actually, I would say the entire defensive line. Uh, I'm, I don't think the receivers are as, as exciting as people think. The running backs aren't that exciting. The cornerbacks are a disaster. So the defensive line, uh, I think, I mean, just from watching training camp, uh, there were times where they completely dominated drills. I mean, Wentz had, you know, less than two seconds from the snap before he had someone in his face. There were days where if, they, if Wentz wasn't wearing that red jersey, they would have brought him down five, six times. Um, I think the defensive line, I know I said I'm not as high on it, but out of all the position groups, they have the best chance of being that unit where when the game's over on Sunday, you say, wow, they completely dominated and they were exciting to watch. How about the most concerning thing, and you can't say the cornerbacks? Outside of the corners, what's the most concerning thing about this team? Outside of corners. Uh, I think my, my the first thing that stuck into my head, I guess I'll go with my gut instinct, what is the receivers. Just because I think expectations are so high, and I don't think they have as many short things as people think. I don't think Alshon is a dominant number one. I don't think he's proven to be that. I think expectations are so high for him, but uh, Bovada just put out um, a list of basically the odds for who's going to lead the league in receiving. And uh, Alshon came in 15th. So I think around the league, he isn't viewed as highly as, as, uh, as Eagles fans look at him. And then if you look past Alshon, I like Jordan Matthews, but I do think his knee is an issue. I just think every player in that receiving core does have a question mark. And, uh, I don't think fans look at it that way. They just, you know, they just say they're, they're, they're they have a fine receiving core, but I don't completely agree. All right, let's wrap with this because I, I could foresee already, uh, me, you, and and Matt, when we get back together, whether it's it's the first podcast uh, of when training camp starts or the second, early into this summer session, I, I could already foresee a conversation we're going to have. So I want to get your opinion on it before it happens. Doug Peterson has said that the Eagles will once again do some live hitting in camp. He did it last year. He yeah. was proud of it, it seemed. Then he stopped it when guys started getting hurt. Zach Ertz. Uh, in Jordan Matthews. That's right, Jordan Matthews. And was that, his, was that Jordan Matthews' knee? Yeah, that was yeah. that that hit that Jalen Mills put on Jordan Matthews is still bothering him to well, this day. there you go. And I'm against this. My stance on this is it's, it's 2017. I know it's camp. I know you want to do some hitting because the guys haven't done it in a while. But I just don't see the upside to hitting each other and hurting your own players. Doug's going to go back to it at least for a few days, he said. Do you think it's the right move? Uh, let's get your opinion on it before it happens. I'm torn because I will say last year at camp, so Chip, Chip never hit at right. practice. And I'm not saying his practices weren't competitive, but when they went live for the first time and they were hitting in training camp last year, like you could feel the excitement and the competitiveness and like the tension. Like it was a real – as close to a game setting as I think I've ever seen in my time covering the Eagles. It's so, fun. It feels like it feels like real football when you watch it. Happen. Yeah, for sure. That being said, Jordan Matthews might be the best receiver on your team, and the knee injury he suffered last year from that hit in practice is still bothering him. So, if I was a coach, I do not think I would I would hit during practice. I think the risk outweighs the reward, in my opinion. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about that and a lot to come in the next few weeks. It's time to get. 
I think we did pretty well. I think we figured out how to do this again, Elliot. But it, it's yeah, time to get back to doing it way more consistently too. That's right. So, We're going to do yeah. a lot of these, and we got yeah. a, a lot of fun things coming this season with these podcasts. It's not just going to be our, our typical once a week. We're going to do some extra ones and some different things. So we'll tell you all about that coming up. And uh, we appreciate listening, Elliot. I guess get a, get a little rest the next couple of days because you're about to get be busy for the next five six months. Yep. Can't wait. All right, Elliot. Appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back soon as the Eagles. Start training camp 2017. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're there. And, of course, on NJ.com, the No Huddle Show. Thanks for listening.